Well, this morning, I thought we'd start a little bit with a uh, kind of preparation for our new year. I know we get to the point of a new year and everybody begins to talk about resolutions and things like that, and I'm not going to be doing that necessarily. My, my focus this morning is a little bit different. So I want to think a little bit about traditions. I want us to start with thinking a little bit about traditions. Uh, later today, my family is going to go over to my parents' house and we're going to enjoy a family tradition that has been going on uh, for, I believe this will be the 47th year that my dad has made the same meal on New Year's Eve. And he puts together a meal. He has a recipe from uh, uh, his grandma that he puts together and it is uh, Bubba's Fried Chicken. Uh, the secret is that it's actually baked and not fried, okay? So, but, and there's a lot of Rice Krispie treats or a lot of Rice Krispies and butter involved in this uh, recipe. So it is a much fattening but delicious meal. And so in a little bit, uh, I'll be enjoying that today. Uh, for Christmas Eve, my family, uh, we gather around um, enjoying pizza on Christmas Eve. And so after the candlelight service last week, uh, Michelle, the boys, and I, we, we gathered together, enjoyed some pizza, a pizza while watching It's a Wonderful Life. And we, we love that movie. That is a wonderful tradition for us to sit down, you know, enjoy the pizza, but also enjoy uh, that Christmas movie. Now, I'm sure most of you guys are familiar with that uh, movie. Uh, whether you watch or not, it's a long movie, isn't it? If you've watched that, I mean, you're, spent, you're making an investment of your time to watch this uh, movie. And I, I remember uh, just, again, sitting down enjoying it and watching my boys. And this was something interesting to me. Uh, my boys are all sitting on the couch there and I'm just watching. And not one of them, I know this is gonna be shocking, not one of them was on their smartphone, okay? I, I was like, what in the world? They're, they're, they're watching this black and white 1940s movie. The message of this movie, the story that is given, really connects and resonates even with today's generation. And so I, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, I'm just looking at this, I'm like, this is incredible. Now, It's a Wonderful Life is actually uh, based on a little booklet, a 24-page booklet uh, written uh, back in, before the 1940s called um, The Greatest Gift. And the greatest gift being life. And that book was a little bit loosely uh, based on Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. And again, you, most of you should know the story of It's a Wonderful Life or even with The Greatest Gift, and it's very similar. It talks about this life of a, a depressed, desperate man who is facing this just overwhelming situation. And in that moment, he wishes that he was never born. He wishes that he was never born. And in It's a Wonderful Life, you have, of course, the angel Clarence. He comes up and, and he grants George Bailey that wish that he was never born. And then you begin to see the scenes of what it was like if George Bailey was never born. And then, of course, we get to the climax of the film and you see George Bailey crying out, I want to live again. I want to live again. And, and again, his life is given back to him and it's restored. But that message in that film connects with our generation today. And it got me to thinking that if some black and white, 77 years old movie 
that communicates this timeless message can connect to today's generation. In my mind, I was just like, wow. And it got me to thinking and asking this question, are God's people, are we connecting through the generations? Are we connecting through the generations? Now this movie again, 1940s, connected with my family whose ages range from 46 all the way down to four. Okay, and Judah, eh, you know, he didn't stay for the whole thing, okay? But uh, again, it, it did captivate many of us and that was impressive. But what about our church family? We are uniquely placed on a college campus, aren't we? In, in the coming weeks, guess what? The, this, this auditorium is gonna start filling up with younger people. And as they do, we have an opportunity for us to be able to connect with them. And how do it, does our church family do that? How do we connect with the different ages and stages of life just here in campus church? I wanted to consider a little bit how the Bible depicts ages and kind of help set a framework of the ages of life. The Bible most often divides ages of life into four categories. You have childhood, okay? So that's, again, in my mind, that's gonna be, you know, Judah, that's gonna be infancy, that's gonna be, you know, Little, little kids, uh, up to maybe 12 years old or so. You have youth, again, that's gonna be more of those teenage years. You have adults, and the Bible typically classifies that as married, singles, somewhere around there. And then you have the elderly. And I'm gonna be very careful with how I approach that one this morning. I know some of you are like, oh, here it comes, and I, I'm gonna be very careful. But we think about it, Jesus was a child. The Bible tells us in Luke, and, the, and the, the child, which was Jesus, grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. We, we read about the youth. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, Isaiah says, and the young men shall utterly fall. Uh, Paul addresses the ages and stages of adults being married and single in 1 Corinthians 7. Uh, he says, I say, therefore, to the unmarried and widows, there's our, our single, our widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. And then he goes on later saying, unto the married I command, yet not I but the Lord. And so again, we find some instruction given for both married and singles. And then again, we find the aged, the, the old adults, that older generation. Old age from scripture is a blessing of God. The first mention of this blessing is God's promise to Abraham living to a good old age. And we find that in Genesis 15. And then in Genesis 25, we read that Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good old age, an old man <laughs> full of years and was gathered to his people. Now, sometimes the Bible does describe uh, those ages and stages of life in rather humorous ways. And so let me just share what Jeremiah the prophet said about this. And again, uh, we're picking up in the middle of somewhat of a, a judgment uh, that's being given, but it's gonna help you see those ages and stages. Uh, Jeremiah 6, 11 says this, therefore I am full of the fury of the Lord. I am weary with holding in. Okay, so again, we understand this is a little bit of a judgment, but he says, I will pour it out upon the children abroad, upon the assembly of young men together, for even the husband with the wife shall be taken. Now catch this last part. This is where I, I found a, a little bit of humor. And the aged with him that is full of days. Now there's two groups. Scripture here goes ahead and kind of uh, divides older. You have this one guy that is the age, and then you have this other guy who is full of days. 
So I'm not really sure. I guess the full of days guy is at another level of being old. I don't understand. Maybe like Methuselah and this guy have a lot in common. You know, so as you look at this here, again, this idea of full of age, uh, this guy is just old. He's really old. And I look through this, and I see these ages and stages of life. And you know what? God intends that the ages and stages work together. From that guy who is full of days down to that young child, there should be harmony. There should be this connecting of the ages. You know, we find, again, that God wants us to work in, ha- in harmony. We are a family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. John says that we are now the sons of God. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, we're now the sons of God. John later would write, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Paul writes in Galatians, As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them that are the household of faith. Now think with me for just a moment. Again, a household, this is, this is us, this is the body of Christ. This is where we do our good. This is where harmony should excel. This is where we should be able to connect with one another. The wisest, um, well, the problem I see in churches today is we're failing to do this, to connect the ages. We're failing to do this. And what I mean is that uh, there's this disconnect. And with this disconnect between the ages, we divide ourselves. The old don't like change. And they don't like new things. And so they fight and, and they basically disparage against the young. The young don't think the old have any value. And so they disparage against them. And it goes back and forth and you have this disharmony. And yet God intends us to be a family. In the household of faith. That later today, when I sit down and enjoy that meal, it's going to be with family. I'll be welcomed. I'm going to be provided a plate and Bubba's fried chicken. I mean, it's going to be delicious. That's what a family does. We invite one another. We engage with one another. And there's going to be all sorts of ages within that family later today. And I am mindful that again for you and for me that we must seek to have that harmony within the body of Christ. So how do we connect the ages? Well, the wisest man, King Solomon, he really simplifies this connecting of the ages for us. So if you would, go ahead and open up your Bibles. We're going to look at Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 29. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 29. And I'm going to show you the key. It's one word in this verse that is going to help us connect the ages. So go ahead and look at Proverbs chapter 20, verse 29. And King Solomon, again, the wisest man that ever lived, he simplified this connecting of the ages for us. All right, you ready for it? Proverbs chapter 20, verse 29, here we go. It says, the glory of young men is their strength. The glory of young men is their strength. And the beauty of old men is the gray head. Now, let me ask you this. Do you see the word, that one word, that would give us the answer of how we connect the ages? Do you see it? Some of you might be thinking, hmm, is it glory? No, I said, 
And beauty is in no one word. It's not young and old. It's not men. It's not, it's not strength. It's not gray head. It is the word and. I know some of you are thinking, all right, Pastor Berg, where in the world are you going? This seems like a very long runway. And let me, let me express to you in just a moment. I'm going to show you why it is the word and. Solomon does not see these ages as rivals, but instead celebrates what makes each age special. In doing so, he reveals to us how they can and should complement each other for God's glory and each age's good. Uh, this morning, I'm going to bring a message entitled, Connect the Ages. Connect the Ages. So I know some of you are thinking, you know, all right, we got to get going here a little bit. And, and we are going to get going with this. You might be thinking, why? Why? Are we trying to make campus church the church to be, you know, that hip church? Is this supposed to help young people from leaving the church? Does this help me grow spiritually? Why, why this? Why this on this last day of 2023? You know, because there is a call for every generation. The psalmist said this, one generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. Each generation must be taught who God is. They must be taught what is in God's word. This is up to each generation to pass on the heritage of the Christian faith. And to do that, we must connect the ages. So I have three truths to keep in mind that will help us connect the ages. And the first one is this, each age has its praise. Each age has its praise. Solomon says here, the glory of young men is their strength. He's giving praise to youth, to that vitality there. And then the beauty of old men is the gray head. That gray head, again, representing wisdom, experience, that long life. I recently watched this conversation between a 64-year-old man and a 7-year-old. And they were given a series of questions to ask each other. And it's quite funny because you have, a, a, again, a 64-year-old man sitting down with a 7-year-old. The 7-year-old in the chair is bouncing all around. I mean, he's just, you know, he's just like everywhere. And the 64-year-old man, he's looking at the kid. And I know in his mind he's trying really hard because he's being videoed for this. I'm sure he's trying really hard like... All right, don't lose it with this little kid. He's squirming, he's going everywhere, just sit still. You know, you can almost see it on his face. But he was so gracious to this young little boy. The first question that was asked was this. What is the worst thing about being young? Or what is the worst thing about being old? And isn't it interesting? I mean, right now, some of us would be like, oh, I know, I know what I would say. You know, some of the young ones would say what that young boy said. He said homework. Homework was the worst thing about being young. And uh, so immediately the little boy said, homework. And then the old man, he said this, he said, not being able to do things you could do when you were young. Well, the little boy jumped on that and it was so cute to watch because this little boy jumps on that and, and he goes, oh, so you mean like bending down and picking stuff up, you can't do that. And then you can see the old man kind of like be like, oh, no, I can still do that. I can still bend down. It's just, you know, it takes a little more time, you know, and he's trying to talk a little bit more about it. But it was so cute to see this interaction. You know, the truth is that each age has its praise. There's something special about a child. 
There's something fun to be able to watch when Judah's bouncing through the house and he's everywhere and, and he's just thrilled about every little thing. There's something wonderful to sit down with somebody that has seen lots of life and to hear their stories and hear them share their experience. In that moment, watching that older man and that little boy connect, and they shared the pros and cons, if you will, of where they were at in their life. You know, it's interesting as we look at this verse, we see some things that are said, but I think what's really interesting is what Solomon didn't say. I mean, of all the things that he could have said, of all the things he could have said, all he focused on was the praise of each age. I mean, Solomon could have said, you know, one age was more desirable than another. You know, he could have said, hey, you know what? Being young is better because you could do more. You got more energy. He could have said, you know, being older is better because you have life experience. You have wisdom. You have all this. He could have done that, but he didn't. He could have said one age was afforded less problems than another. He could have said that, yeah, when you're, when you're um, younger, you know, you have strength. You can get around and do things more easily. You can bend things or pick, bend over and pick things up a whole lot easier than you can when you're older. But the older are more stable in life. They, they're more certain of things. They're more familiar with the, the cycles of life. And so as we go through and we see this here, we find that, you know, again, every age has its problems. Really, neither is better. Solomon could have said, you know, one age was more mature than another. And again, aging doesn't necessarily mean maturity. The youngest of Job's friends, Elihu, wisely noted, great men are not always wise, neither do the age understand judgment. There's a lot of things Solomon could have said, but didn't. So what did Solomon say? He said, the glory of young men is their strength. It's their splendor. It's that ornament, if you will, of youth. That strength of being able to tackle things, being physically ready to tackle on big products. I remember as a kid, I could, or as a kid, let me bring that back. As a young man, I was able to jump in there and do things. I, mean, I could work long days, wake up the next day, not sore at all, and no problems, you know. Now if I work long days, the next day it's like trying to roll out of bed is a little bit more challenging than what I remember as a young adult. The Bible says that the beauty of old men is the gray head. You know, as we age, many of us have noticed the gray hair. And it's one of those signs of getting old. I remember when I started seeing some of that in my head, I was like, no, no, not yet. It's like, no. And yet it was a sign there, and maybe not so often as of wisdom as we like to think, but it is a sign of just we are getting old. But it is a mark that somebody's worthy of honor and respect. When a culture does not care about life, it disparages age. When a culture doesn't care about life, it disparages age. They don't care about the baby in the womb, and they don't care about the older adult. It's because they don't value life. 
And this is where our culture is today. And this is where this church has to set a different example. When it comes to the gray hair, it is, the Bible is showing that everything good about age, about the dignity, the wisdom, the honor, the experience. Do you know even our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is going to have uh, that white gray hair? Daniel said this, he said, I beheld till the thrones were cast down and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow and the hair of his head like pure wool. So what do we take away from this? What do we take away from this? If each age has its praise, then each age really just has different com commendations. Just different praises. No age should be shushed. Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me. Those that were like, oh, stop it, stay away from them. Jesus invited those children to come. No age is to be overlooked. Naaman's wife had the little maid, remember her? And how she gave that testimony and said, would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria for he would recover him of his leprosy. She didn't say, oh, stop it. She didn't overlook that little maid. And no age is to be despised or dishonored. Timothy was told that no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word and conversation and charity and spirit and in faith and purity. Israel, back in the Levitical law, was told that they should rise up before the hoary head, before that gray head, that they were supposed to honor the face of the old man and fear thy God. Again, if we're going to connect the ages, we must remember that every age has its praise. Secondly, every, or each age has a more excellent purpose. So each age has a more excellent purpose. So how many of you out here enjoy doing jigsaw puzzles? We got some jigsaw puzzle folks out here? Okay, we do have a few. All right, jigsaw puzzles are a lot of fun, okay? Uh, they take some patience, they take some time, and they consume your entire kitchen table for weeks on end. Uh, but as you go through and you begin to set that up, I don't know what you do, but um, when I've done those in the past, you know, the first thing I do is, you know, you pour out all the pieces and and you start flipping them all up so that all the picture side is up and, and the blank side is down. And then you start organizing and sometimes you'll start looking for all the edge pieces, trying to build out that edge piece. You'll start organizing by color or by picture. You'll go, oh, that's part of the barn. So that's gonna go over here. That's part of the field that goes over here. We take all of that, right? And, and we look at those, each pieces of the puzzles and we, and we begin to put them together. Much like those pieces of a puzzle, each age young and old, they fit together to bring about a more excellent picture of life. The young may be quick in more ways than one to point out their strength over the aged. Watch this old man. I've heard that a time or two from my boys. And then that's a challenge for this father to uh, you know, beat my boys at basketball or whatever it might be. They, the aged may be quick to point to their wisdom and experience and say, Work smarter, not harder, whippersnapper. You know, they might do something like that. Uh, the other day, Caleb and I were putting together a swing set for, for Judah. And it, I had given Caleb my socket ratchet to uh, put that together. And then later, I went and grabbed my power drill, my impact driver. And he's with the socket, I'm with the drill, you know, zipping them through. And he was lamenting the fact that I didn't give him the drill. And again, I was just saying, you know, work smarter, not harder, son. You know, you're building character. I'm, I'm using experience. So, 
But think with me for just a moment. If this is our focus, if we are to divide ourselves this way and point to those praises, then we're losing that more excellent purpose. You know, what is that excellent purpose? I'll tell you what it is. Solomon said, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Why? Because there's no work, there's no device, knowledge, wisdom in the grave where thou goest. Think with me for just a moment now. Today is the day that we have to work together, to be in harmony as a church family. I'm not guaranteed tomorrow, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Now is the time. As we leave this place, we can connect the ages. The the young boy, the young girl that's running through, we can stop and talk to them. We can engage with them. The hoary head, that gray hair, the older among us, we can engage with them. We can talk to them. We can learn from their experience. We can gain wisdom. You see, this is our time. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, a lot of times we relate this to work, but What about the connecting the ages? This is the time. Colossians says, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as the Lord, not unto men. Again, we're trying to connect and do this not for our own benefit, but because we want to bring glory to God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do you not see what God is desiring for this household of faith? Do you not see what he is desiring from you and from me is that we would connect the ages? You see, strength without wisdom is the weakness of fools. Strength without wisdom is the weakness of fools. The Bible tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The lips of the righteous, they feed many, but fools die for want of wisdom. You can have somebody really strong, but not wise. And that, quite frankly, is the weakness of fools. Wisdom, we look at the other end, without strength is the foolishness of the weak. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Proverbs says that a wise man is strong. A man of knowledge increaseth strength. You see, when we see strength with wisdom, we see the victory of the wise. And I think this is demonstrated with the battle between David and Goliath. I think what we see there is strength with wisdom. Now certainly David is a a young man. He has trained himself. He has prepared himself for these interactions, not necessarily for Goliath per se, but he took out a lion. He took out a bear. He had trained himself with his slingshot. He had done all that. And then when he came to knowing who God is, he also understood that God was not one to be defied, that God was one to be honored and obeyed. So for David, as he prepares and comes to this place of battle, he comes and this is what he says, catch this, the Philistine said to David, come to me and I'll give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beast of the field. He called David essentially just a stick. And then he said, and then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. David came with strength and wisdom and he won the battle. He saw victory. 
Understand that both the young and the old can experience victory in their spiritual battles. And that key to that is going to be found in wisdom. And the wisdom that we get from the word of God. Arrogant pride often plagues the younger. Selfish contempt often plagues the older. And quite honestly, both young and old are always susceptible to any and all sins, both days. But what we need is to be able to have that strength with wisdom. David entered into the battlefield armed with strength and with wisdom. You and I need to do the same thing. This church can be united in strength and wisdom and see God work victories among us. I think often that we would rather gossip about people than we would in helping people. We'd rather talk about their sin. We'd rather talk about their mistakes. We'd rather talk about their error. We'd rather talk about that than we would ever want to pray with them, go to them, encourage them, lift them up. You see, when we do the the gossiping, when we do all the the talking and and all of that, we're creating this disharmony, this 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 division within the body of Christ. This is not what God would desire for us. This is not what he wants. We're supposed to do good, especially to them that are of the household of faith. There is supposed to be a harmony within this body of Christ. And I get it. Sometimes the young get on our nerves. Sometimes the old get on our nerves. But we are never, ever to dishonor either. We are to extend grace to each other. We are to approach this relationship with strength and with wisdom. You know, I... I think all the time to myself that as I watch my boys grow up, I am simply just training my replacements in this life. Is that not what we're doing with our children's ministry here? With the connections that we make, are we not training the future campus church? I mean, again, we're only here for a little while. Life is short. It's a vapor. You and I, we're training the next generation. And I'll I'll be honest, I don't want my boys making my mistakes. I don't want my boys doing what I did. I want to be able to help them. I want to encourage them. And I want this church here, my desire is to see this church continue for many years to come. The psalmist said this, As for God, his way is perfect. Now catch this. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in him. For who is God save the Lord? Or who is a rock save our God? It is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. When we go to God, when we go to his word, we begin to find the strength and the wisdom that we need so that we can connect the ages. So if we're gonna connect the ages, we must remember that every age has its praise. Each age has a more excellent purpose. But then lastly, 
to gather the ages produce good works. Remember I told you in the beginning of the message I was talking about that one word. That one word is and. And. That is the key word in Proverbs 20, verse 29. That's what joins the young and the old together. If you've ever uh, watched a, a two, two people use one of those uh, large two-man saws, you know, the ones that you would see the lumberjack or the loggers use, and, and they take that saw and they're pulling it back and forth, okay? That's how it should look for you and for me as we connect the ages. That type of saw demonstrates to us two people working in harmony to produce a good work. With a two-man saw, there has to be one who's going to pull and the other who pushes. You can't have both pulling and you can't have both pushing. Otherwise, you're not going to get to produce anything that way. And here it is. What is the saw for the young and the old? What is that that enjoins the two of us that we might be able to connect the ages? What is that and what joins the young and the old together? Take your Bibles and go to Titus chapter 2. I want you to see this here because what you'll find in Titus chapter 2 is the answer to that question. What joins the young and the old together? Paul is writing to Titus. Again, he is a, a pastor, and Paul is giving him some instruction. And this is what he says about the church. This is the description that he gives of kind of how the church should function and gives us the answer to our question, what joins the two of us together? And this is what he says, Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1, he says, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Let me stop right there. What is sound doctrine? That's the word of God. That is the truth. That is what God has given to us. What enjoins us? What connects us? It is this book. It's why we're gathered here today. It's why we have all these ages here. What is connecting us is this book. And the one who wrote it. Paul says, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. That the aged men be sober. Showing self-control. And really the idea there is being not given to alcohol. Grave. Temperate. Sound in faith and charity and patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach, here it is, the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. And then to Titus he said, in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, and sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Here it is, church. Titus 2 is what you and I need for this time. This is how we connect the ages. It's through God's word. It's through the truth of his word that he has given to us. It helps us to connect. 
This is our saw. This is our end. And we need to follow this truth that God's name not be blasphemed. That God's name would be honored by us. Imagine with me what Campus Church could do for God's glory if Titus 2 was true of us. Now again, I know some of us here are, are practicing this, seeking to do this. I'm not trying to uh, cast this you know, condemnation on this church. I'm just saying, can we go deeper? Can we go farther? Can we reach out just a little bit more? Because imagine what happens if we do. The young person that is struggling, that is lonely, that is much like that George Bailey, ready to just cast it all aside. Perhaps we can reach out and encourage. To the older person that feels lonely, that nobody cares, that there's nobody around them that even knows that they exist. Perhaps somebody younger could come out and sit there and listen to the stories and be amazed by all that this person has accomplished. All of that is so true and so needed in our world today. What stops this from happening? What stops this pattern of good works that together we can, uh, together we can have that harmony? What stops it? The answer is sin. It, it, it's pure and simple. It is sin. It is sin. It, listen to this. Sin creates division where God desires harmony. Where the conflict ever had conflict in your home? Things are just not right, not well. You ever have conflict at work? But when that happens, isn't it, it's really hard to work, isn't it? Because of the conflict. Boy, when there's harmony, we all gather together. We all enjoy it. We all get together. Man, that was wonderful. That was a great service, a great music. You know, well, man, that was an awesome event. And when we're all working together and young and old together, laughing, having fun. And there's something about that harmony that is so desiring, so wonderful. And this is what the Lord wants for us. He wants you and I to have this harmony within the body of Christ, working together for his glory. But it is sin that disrupts that, that creates that division, that conflict. Jeremiah warned about this. He said this in Jeremiah chapter nine, so let, let not the wise man glory in his knowledge or in his wisdom neither let the mighty man glory in his might let not the rich glory in his riches but let him that glorieth glory in this that they understand and knoweth me that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness judgment and righteousness in the earth for in these things I delight saith the Lord it is right here that we learn that knowledge it's right here in this book that you and I need to be in gathering those around us and encouraging the young and old alike to be in this book because it is in this book that we know who God is we learn about him it is in this book that we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ it is in this book that we read the command that we are to love one another that there is no greater love than this than a man would lay down his life for his friend. It is in this book that we read that we are to use our abilities, our strength, our wisdom, our experience for God's glory and not our own. If we are to connect the ages, we have to center on God's word together. We need to read and study the Bible regularly. That needs to be a personal 
you know, a, a personal uh, decision that we make. We need to get into this book. We need to make time to draw from the words of life, to commit this treasure to our hearts for safekeeping and for quick remembering. This morning, I'm not sure where you are with your walk with the Lord. I'm not sure how you're doing with connecting the ages. But I would ask you today to consider what we've looked at this morning. My challenge to you is like, if you are connecting the ages, that's wonderful. Let's go a little bit further. Let's dig a little bit deeper. Let's encourage others. If you're sitting there saying, man, I don't want to talk to no youngin, no whippersnapper, or I don't want to talk to no old person, and shame on us for that. Shame on us. It's not being in the body of Christ. It's not reflective of what God desires for us. We need to have that harmony. Look around, church family. The people you are sitting with in this auditorium is not by accident. It's by God's design. Every one of us was brought here because of God and his orchestrating those events in our life. Oh yes, we have our free will, not negating that. But he brought us together. Because somehow he knew that this body of Christ here, this called out local body, he knew that we together could have wonderful harmony that we could see God do something marvelous. And then that when we get to a point of being old, that we will be able to uh, share and tell others about the wonderful works that God has accomplished here.